Hello and welcome to the Last of the Moon podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. I'm Brett Redshaw. I'm Brett Redshaw. I'm Wyatt Van Dyke. God, you guys are already confusing me. And today we have a very special episode. It's Valentine's Day, or at least for us, it's the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, time will only tell if we get it out on time. It's very much up to me now. I wanted to introduce myself as in love, and then Wyatt did his own funny thing. and It really took the wind out of my sails. And you're the only one here that can say that. Um, I miss the days whenever people used to sign off on their letters how they were feeling when they wanted to be anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> anonymous. When you'd, you'd be able to write into a columnist and, and then sign it off like perturbed. Sincerely <laughs> perturbed. Did you do that as a child? Yeah, it was always sincerely horny. And that <laughs> brings us to, to our topic today, yes. love. Uh, so I want to start by just addressing what does valentine's day mean to us brett as the man in the relationship why don't you start <laughs> uh yes marriage <laughs> um i don't know the rest of the speech it brings us together <laughs> yeah yeah i should have left that to you i knew you would know that better um valentine's day it's a nice day to Remind all of us the importance of love and also buying Hallmark cards and flowers. Let's and go. Um, I feel similarly to the way that I feel about Valentine's Day is similar to the way that I feel about making New Year's resolutions where I'm like, hey, you know, good on you if you want to show your partner that you love them very much. Good on you if you want to better yourself in New Year's. Maybe just try to be your best all the time. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm staunchly anti new year's resolution like why are you gonna why are you gonna just pick the one day you know uh look my partner knows that i love them probably three four days out of the year you know why we have to you know put it all into one <laughs> that's crazy i love your partner more days than you do <laughs> yes wow. we do love colleen on this podcast uh in terms of my thoughts on valentine's day i mean i think it's always nice to have a little special day to to remind folks that hey i appreciate you um i really think it peaked in like early elementary school because you'd be oh my god going home zooted off the chocolates and every single person in your class oh brett, brett cannot relate to this right now that's so sad well, school boy yeah, um, i don't know a thing about it but getting all those valentines man that was a lovely time but uh as it's uh progressed it's still a sweet holiday i think that brett is right you should let people that you love uh know that you love them on more days than one mm -hmm. but that does not negate the importance of having a, a specific day to be symbolistic about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you. Um, I think even if it is a made-up holiday, Valentine's Day is just meant to be a celebration of love. And inherently, that's meant to be romantic love. But I feel like if you're not in a romantic relationship, it can just be a day to appreciate the people that you love in your life. And... So if you're listening to this, whether you're in a romantic relationship or not, we hope that this is a place of love for you. Uh, not going to get super sentimental or anything here, but I, I just, I don't really understand the real hatred that a lot of single people have as a single person towards this holiday. I get, it might be difficult to see if it's what you're searching for, a lot of happy people in a relationship, but... um. I think there's a lot in everyone's life that they can appreciate 
especially in regards to people that they love. So uh, that being said, today, we're not going to be talking about platonic love at all. <laughs> we will be taking uh, the next hour or so to discuss our favorite romantic relationships in films. If you're polyamorous on Valentine's Day, is it like Christmas? Yeah, that's just the best day. <laughs> you get eight, <laughs> nine presents. <laughs> uh, I think we should also clarify when we're talking about like our best relationships mm -hmm. in movies, uh, what that means. This does not mean the most like functioning, like healthy relationship. They can be a little bit toxic. They can be a little bit goofy, uh, but it's just like relationships that we thought were fun to follow along with or uh, hold specific value to us for some reason. So when we say best, and then we mention somebody who may have done something that you would not constitute as good relationship behavior, we're saying best in the sense of we enjoyed it the most and not this is what you should aspire to, to do and to be like. Yeah, Th these are our favorite relationships. Certainly not looking at my own list, the best relationships. Uh, so the way that this is going to work, we've each come with a list. Of <laughs> yeah, we did. Let's go. <laughs> uh, we have each come with a. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We have each prepared uh, a list of five relationships in movies. So if you're doing math here in the audience, that gives us a total of 15. And we're just going to go back and forth, starting at our fives and get down to our ones. Can uh, you believe the three of us did top 10 movies of the year? Yeah, that's actually insane. We had 30 movies. Uh, to be fair, there was a lot of overlap there. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Letter Kenny reference, if, uh, if you're confused. We're not going to address it otherwise. Uh, one thing I do want to address, though, in relation to these lists, uh, I'm the only one that has seen the lists of my partners here. Uh, <laughs> you had a my phrase podcast it that way? partners. <laughs> right. What do you mean? <laughs> well... You know, certain words have certain implications in certain Brett romantic not, settings. Brett could not possibly <laughs> be... He doesn't like it insinuated that he's in a relationship with a man. It was established last episode. <laughs> Brett is canonically homophobic. <laughs> yes, uh, That's actually a perfect segue uh, to what I want to talk about here. Uh, and that is not a severe lack, but certainly some lack of representation in our lists. And that is not because we don't enjoy or appreciate relationships of color or queer relationships it's just there's a severe lack in mainstream culture of those stories being told on god that's not to say they don't exist but in terms of what's making money and what the culture as a whole is talking about the types of movies that everyone is seeing there's certainly a lack of non-traditional non-white non-straight relationships uh, i think we each have at least one or two non-traditional relationships in our lists. Um, and these are all movies that we're very passionate about. But if you're coming looking for lists of extreme diversity, unfortunately, that will not be these lists. But uh, just wanted to make that known. It's not because we don't appreciate those stories. It's just because uh, they're sometimes difficult to find. There is moderate diversity. There's moderate diversity. Yeah, my list is looking good. Uh, from that standpoint, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, even even if our lists were fully diverse, I think it would still be important to note how difficult it is to find non-traditional relationships in movies. I was certainly thinking about that when I made my list. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. I'm four in and 
there's a pattern here. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of straight white people. Mm. Already. Who's uh, kicking us off? So before we kick it off, uh, I, I wanted to ask, did you guys, in making your lists, other than it being a lot of straight white people potentially, uh, did you notice any patterns, uh, any types of relationships that really appealed to you? Uh, this will be a thing that I talk about as we go through our list. Uh, I don't think you could make an argument for any couple outside of potentially one getting what constitutes a happy ending, which really reflects my taste in movies. I like shit that hurts me bad. <laughs> um, and so my list, uh, of course, reflects that. Other than that, in terms of trends, traditionally younger relationships, it's a well-known fact I love my coming-of-age movies. Um, loves them. And that's that's represented well. Uh, but between those two, I think those are my most... Most frequently reoccurring, reoccurring things I got going on. Cool. I desperately wanted to put licorice pizza on here, but I was like, man. <laughs> it's a very problematic yeah. relationship. One of those is a child. <laughs> yeah, and so. one of those is definitely not. Yeah. Uh, God, F you, Paul Thomas Anderson, for putting that thing in that movie, because I loved it so much. No, it's so good. It's so weird. It's that so they just weird. felt the need to do that. It, yeah. We're going to move on. Uh, I will have... Spoiler alert, an opportunity to talk more about Paul Thomas Anderson later. Oh. Um, oh, my own patterns. Uh, wait, I didn't talk about my pattern. Oh, you're right. I, I didn't really have a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't put uh, a whole lot of thought into, like, this is a relationship that I necessarily even like that much. Just, um, you know, uh, most of my picks were ones that I thought I would just enjoy talking about at any rate. So... I don't think there is a lot of rhyme or reason or even self uh, subconscious uh, reasoning for why I picked one over another. But it, the fact that there wasn't a lot of intentional desire put into it and I still ended up with those, you know, straight white patterns that we were talking about was that was what was very eye opening to me about like, oh, yeah, we have a diversity problem here. Totally. In the, in the scene. Yeah. And uh, I mean, from my perspective, that's certainly a, a scene issue that as a whole movie culture has been trying to address yeah, because here for that. If I wanted to to put those diverse relationships in my list, I would have had to really try. <laughs> you know, and that's where you end up with the problem. Totally. Yeah, one one pattern that I saw in my own list was there with the exception of one or two picks here, it's a lot of flawed relationships where potentially love triumphs in the end. That's a type of story that I'm drawn to a lot. Although I, I did notice just in thinking through this, I'm Clearly not just looking at the movies that I've seen a huge romance or romantic comedy guy in general. I've seen a lot of the greats, but I don't have a single rom-com in here, which is not to say I don't like those movies. They're just not my cup of tea, per se. Dude hates love. Crazy. Uh, Before we should get into this, we should also mention that in detailing plots for these movies, we might spoil them for you. Yeah, I, I think I was going to say probably that, light spoilers yeah. will come up. Light spoilers for all of these movies, but there's only one movie here that I really feel like I actually need to spoil it to talk about the movie, um, and I'll just address that when it comes up, so maybe consider doing the same. It's like, just give a spoiler warning for that specific movie. Um, yeah, let's get into it. As As were the rules established from our first episode, Brett, you were on my left, so the law states... You're going first. Well, I wouldn't wanna I wouldn't wanna poke the bear of the law. I only I only abide by the rules of the law. I only I never break the speed limit. So 
so I have to go first. He's just a little guy. It's suiting that I go first, A, because I'm on Bryce's left, but B, because I got not the OG couple of film, but like the OG couple of film that is relevant to me and my generation. We got Jack and Rose. Wow. From the, the big boat that sank. What was it called? Titanic? Yeah. Um, Jack and Rose, a cross-class love for the ages. They are uh, played by Leo and Kate Winslet. They are this young, passionate, I met you the other day and now I do anything for you kind of love that I can relate to because I've definitely done that in my life. <laughs> it's I like, feel that. It, it's like the most, but daddy, I love him relationship on my whole list and you know what god i love that and they are uh they're the classics they're the ones we all know and love i I went most of my life without seeing titanic i I just slipped under my radar much like the boat slipped into a an iceberg oh my Um, god that was was a stretch the one one was for your (laughs) it was for the boat not for your yes but i i remember watching this movie for the first time like two years ago and just like sobbing in bed by myself uh, and that was largely because of the relationship at the center of this movie. It's, it's despite being very cliched, very well portrayed. And yeah, I, I like it a lot. She loves him, even though he's poor. I was talking about, uh, putting together, uh, this list yesterday when I was on a date, very fitting for romance. Uh, and this relationship was offered out as one I should mention. And I said, I have not seen this movie. Wow. And then I was accosted for like three minutes about how I should see this movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Uh, and I will at some point. Um, but, you know, I think it's funny that it came up immediately right after that. Oh, you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were introducing your own. No, your literally, own- that's ti- that's my take on oh, Titanic. I've not seen, seen the movie. Titanic. I don't. I like know what happens to the boat. I don't need to. <laughs> oh, we can spoil that part. <laughs> yeah. They all it die. is my unrelated, my uh, dream to do one of those like super pressurized boats where they take you down and you go see the Titanic. Look at the Titanic. It's like $45,000. Do you think Jack and Rose will be down there? uh, Well, Rose certainly will not be. One out of the three of us have attended the Titanic Museum uh, that exists in Tennessee, I think, if I'm remembering that correctly. Is that where the Titanic is? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the bottom of the ocean of Tennessee. (laughs) The Titanic Museum, you go through and you... Um, get assigned a name of a person who was really on the ship. And as you go through the exhibits, you can learn a little bit about the person that's assigned to you. And then the the end, you find out if you died or not. And then they actually drown you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> if you want the full immersive experience. Did you live or did you die? I lived because oh. I was a high-class citizen wow. and there was an extreme amount of... Uh, disparity between who lived and who died based on class it's a good that's a little metaphor fun fact for this movie so uh yeah oh my guy i you know the the steamy car sex scene um my guy owned that car wow that was a real car that was on the titanic that's crazy god wow. you were dope as a titanic life mm. all right Wyatt, what's your number five uh number five 24 baby let's go uh it's ghost story that's uh, the relationship between casey affleck and rooney mars characters um they just go by C and M, respectively. They're not really ever given full titles, uh, which is fitting because there's like seven lines of dialogue in this entire movie. Have either of you seen this? No, I have not seen it. Uh, so in A Ghost Story, this movie is the premise for that like sheet ghost TikTok trend that we all saw mm-hmm. like two years ago. 
uh, Casey Affleck's character dies nearly immediately in a car accident, like two minutes into the movie. Damn. And so at no point are these characters, like they are at the beginning of the movie, it's about them moving into a house. Uh, they're married um, or at least together in a pretty serious context. Uh, then he dies, but he comes back as a sheet ghost. And that is what I think makes this relationship or type of love unique. That's wild. Uh, is that he is there the whole time she's moving on. And so it's this like whole like yearning situation where they are in the same room looking at each other, but they can't communicate. So he and has. And she doesn't know he's there. But he knows that she's there. Wow. Fellas, is it gay to yearn? <laughs> <laughs> so what I like about this is that it showcases that relationships have uh, lifespans beyond like human death. Uh, in this instance, Casey Affleck's character is there for her despite the fact that she doesn't know it. And that's like a concept that I would hope is something I could like subscribe to. I guess that like loosely translates to some religious beliefs, but just the the fact that love exists beyond death and that someone is there to to watch after you and get you through those tough times, even if it feels like they're not there, uh, is something that I think is pretty sweet. And it's that desire for both of them to like, be together despite the fact they're quite literally a world apart uh, makes it a unique love story and something that I haven't seen represented before it's a phenomenal movie if y'all have not seen it it's on Netflix it's was shot in the span of two days just as like a a project for fun uh, and turned into one of my like 30 favorite movies I've ever seen it's a unique love story and it would be higher on my list if they actually spent more time together and (laughs) were in love and not uh, dead but a ghost story I is think, my number five. I like that a lot. I think religion and beliefs on the afterlife aside, like humans are capable of loving the memory of someone. And I haven't seen the movie and I have no idea if it touches on that. But my next movie uh, actually does pertain to that. This is a movie that Brett and I both shared on our lists until I told him, hey, that's mine. I want it. Uh, this is Princess Bride. And the relationship at the center here is Wesley and Buttercup. This is one of my favorite movies ever. I grew up with it. I watched it a lot as a kid. And anytime I've revisited it, it holds up really well. It's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's adventurous. There's a lot to love about this movie. But if you haven't seen it, Wesley, who's played by Carrie Elwes, is a farm boy. And Buttercup is this upper class woman played by Robin Wright. And she lives on the land that Wesley is a farmhand for. And the two of them slowly fall in love as he's working on her farm. And there's this really long-lasting metaphor that stuck with me for my whole life, where anytime she asks anything of him, he responds with, as you wish, no matter what that wish might be. And as I was thinking about this movie in preparation for this episode, I was thinking, hey, this is... This, this podcast could be called the As You Wish pod because that's essentially the exact same metaphor as the Last of the Moon metaphor. But yeah, that, that like unconditional, I would love you no matter what, I would do anything for you type of idea really hits home with me. And guys in 2021 are like, simp, oh, simp, simp, O-L-L, simp. So, so Wesley goes off to sea to make some money so that the two of them can marry and it's believed that he dies, and years and years later, he actually returns in disguise, and he puts 
Buttercup through all these essentially tests to see even if she doesn't know that he's alive, if she still loves him. And that's where I think it kind of ties into what you were saying, Wyatt. She believes him to be dead and still holds on that he is the only person that she will ever love, even though she is betrothed to marry into the throne, I believe. And so the when it's eventually revealed, the two of them rekindle their love, and the movie essentially is the two of them going on adventures trying to end this marriage that she's being forced into. And it's it's an adventure movie, it's a love story, but it's it's a beautiful one. And like Brett was saying, with the Titanic being sort of a love at first sight trope, I think that this is the best example, in my opinion, of this like classic fairy tale love story love at first sight trope. We don't see a ton of like intricacies to their love. They don't go through a ton of conflict or anything, and that's pretty standard for that type of movie, but what we do see is how much they love each other and the lengths that they'll go to see that love through, and I think it's really beautiful. Uh, also, who would not fall in love with Robin Wright and Carrie Ellis? They're some beautiful human beings, and I'm happy to see both of them still working. But yeah, what, what are they working on? <laughs> Movies. Oh, okay. TV. Good. Uh, when I looked up The Princess Bride for myself, I'm glad that you were happy to take this because I, I, for, I wanted to talk about it because it's such an iconic relationship, mm-hmm. but I forgot a lot of the details about what actually happens in the movie and the details about their love. All you remembered was marriage. Yes, <laughs> the most important part. I forgot what her name was, what her character's name was in being Buttercup. First of all, it's hilarious, but... <laughs> Uh, it, on Letterbox, it just it it credits her as the Princess Bride. <laughs> really? <laughs> it doesn't. That's does wild. not say Buttercup. Yeah, her name is certainly Buttercup. Yeah, so I thought that was funny. I also can't stand that Wesley's name is Westley with a T. Is that I've true? Known, yeah, I've known plenty of Wesleys without the T, but Westley just sounds weird to me. Well, the other name is Buttercup, so I don't I don't know. Pick your poison. Yeah, Brett. What's ah, your number yes. four. I forgot. It is now my turn. Number. Two for Brett. Number four. Number four. What, what do you mean number We're four? We're going in reverse order. Oh, I didn't rank my list. Was I supposed to rank mine? <laughs> Why and I did? <laughs> you did. You did not rank did. yours. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Well, number two well, slash number four. The the just, we could just say number four and start this whole bit over. The relationship that I'm now about to talk about <laughs> is Theodore and Samantha in her. I've uh, not seen this movie. You've not seen her? I've not seen her. Wow, that's... It's near the top of my list. Why, have you? I'm looking up her. That name sounds very familiar. Oh, you're going to know what wow. it is when I describe it to you. It's the movie where Joaquin Phoenix oh, yep, yep, falls yep, yep, in love yep, with yep, software. Yep, 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 yep. I've seen. You have seen? Okay, I've seen. good. A rare case of White and Brett coming together to see a movie that Bryce has not seen. Uh, so, Look at this the guy. Box. Her is Spike Jones's 2013 film um, where Joaquin Phoenix, who is a, uh, a, a really... Uh, nice but tragically melancholy fella. Um, Wyatt. <laughs> what in the world is that stray? That's <laughs> ridiculous. Is working in what is essentially like a futuristic Hallmark card company. And he falls in love with a highly advanced artificial intelligence software who is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. It is a really interesting film about love and dynamics mixed with technology uh which just ends up becoming a really compelling story that you uh truly have no idea where it's going to go the film 
in its writing. It won. Oh shoot. I don't remember if it's an original screenplay or an adapted screenplay. It won best of one of those at the Academy Awards that year, which I watched. I, this is the movie that I, I watched actually earlier today because I, did, I didn't remember what happened in the end. So I forgot like um, I forgot a lot of the points of the story. Did you skip to the end or just watch the whole movie? No, I watched the whole thing, through, cool. um, which I'm glad I did because um, when I, I first saw the movie, it was long before I was that into movies and really had an appreciation for them. I understood completely why it won uh, best screenplay because uh, the writing is super phenomenal and it is strangely mature uh the relationship that joaquin phoenix and scarlett johansson's voice have in the movie it is a really shockingly accurate depiction of a real adult relationship with the exception of obviously one is a robot and one isn't um i really like this movie i'm glad that i watched it again yeah it was very enjoyable price how you do should they get on that how do they portray like what is he actually talking to? Like, does she have like a a body that she's speaking from? No, and it's a main theme of the movie that she does not have a body, and it becomes a a point of conflict in their relationship. Essentially, he had AirPods before they actually existed in 2013. That's dope. And so he just, whenever he wants to talk to his gal, he always just has an AirPod in. And it's really interesting because you also see the social dynamics of other people in his life coming to terms with the fact that he's dating an AI. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when you know, he is out and say um, there's a, a scene where he's actually on a, like a double date, they all have their own AirPods and, and they can talk to her as well. It's, it's a really good movie. Cool. I do think it's, it's a unique concept. And I think that I also need to rewatch this. It's been forever since I've seen this, but it's a great movie and something that is a different, a different type of romance because is it even romance, you know? It's a great question. a robot constitute a partner, even if they are providing love in a different way? What even is love? What is love? Baby, <laughs> do not hurt me. I just sensitive. I want to point something out, too. This was mentioned in a letterbox review that I, I, I looked at after I watched the movie today. So fascinating point that Joaquin Phoenix, who I feel we all love. Yes. At some point in this movie, whether you see it or it's like referred to in the past, etc., at some point, he dates Scarlett Johansson, her voice, Rooney Mara, Amy Adams, and Olivia Wilde. What a king. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. He pops off. That's crazy. All right. That's all I got. About what a her. guy. Uh, so that goes to my fourth pick now. For mine, I've got two people who never even dated each wow. other. It's You're throwing Kevin... so many curveballs here. Yeah, it's, I'm a list full of curveballs. I'm a baseball guy, you know? It's uh, Kevin and Chiron from, uh, or Chiron from Moonlight. Uh, Moonlight, another A24 movie. It's all I know. One Best Picture in 2017. Both characters are played by a variety of actors. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's the story of Chiron, the main character, uh, split up into three different segments based on stages in his life, early childhood, high school, and then what seems to be like late 20s type of Young deal. adulthood. Yeah, young adulthood. Uh, and the relationship between Kevin and Chiron is very complicated It is known pretty early on in the story that Chiron is gay. And in in early 2000s in Miami, where the story takes place, Chiron is kind of an outcast. Uh, It's well known from the beginning of the story that he is gay uh, and his students and or his students, his uh, classmates tend to pick on him for it. He's seen as like a social outcast, but he does have one ally as the story progresses in Kevin, 
until he doesn't have an ally as one of my major points against this relationship is that Kevin beats the holy hell out of Chiron in the second sequence of the movie. And it is very hard to watch. It is horrible to watch because it's already established that Chiron likes Kevin at that point. And it's a situation in which like mob mentality and the fear of uh, retaliation for being different overcomes romantic feelings in the hands of Kevin. Uh, what I like about this relationship is, first off, it's a commentary on masculinity that is so strong. There's a reason this movie won Best Picture, and it's because it takes a type of relationship that is not often portrayed in that being a gay relationship uh, with types of people that also frequently were not portrayed as gay in movies. There's no element of flamboyance to Chiron as there were in uh, a ton of like misrepresented or stereotypically uh, gay relationships in movies past. And even the culture that they're a part of yeah. wouldn't allow them to be gay. Um, and so the relationship between the two of them culminates in my favorite part of the movie in the third sequence. Um, shouts out to specifically Trevante Rhodes and um, Andre Holland. It's the two actors that played both Kevin and Chiron at their final chapter. There's this diner sequence in which Kevin makes... Chiron a meal and the whole time there's like this romantic tension that's so sweet and so genuine and so gentle between two characters who are represented throughout the movie as pretty tough individuals I mean it's takes these these guys who are I mean the actor who plays Chiron is jacked and you don't typically see we were talking about this with like Dave Bautista in mm -hmm. the last movie these actors who are very large individuals portrayed as soft and romantic beings and it is the highlight of the movie for me. It's very sweet. I said like earlier, it loses points because one beats the other one up. But also they never truly establish that they are uh, a relationship at any point. It's that's just, sort of the point of the movie. Yeah, it's just this, this winding road of figuring out who you are uh, and coming to terms with the fact that you love who you love. And I thought it was very sweet and very heartbreaking. And it is my fourth favorite relationship. In movies it's a very good movie and i wanted to include it on my list because i love the movie so much but for reasons that wyatt stated i didn't even think it necessarily qualified because they are never in a romantic relationship but i think wyatt put up a good argument for it i think that's completely fair great movie hey bryce hey hey buddy what's uh what's, Hi, next, on, what's next on your list my next movie nobody ever asks you nobody ever asked me i'll get over it is Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. We've got the relationship between Alma and my boy Reynolds Woodcock, which is maybe the best name in movie history. Oh, yeah. I would it's like, hard. I'd like to say before <laughs> this starts, that was rough, that my only experience with this movie is that there's like three different extended scenes that show up in my ASMR and movies compilations oh my God. that I use to fall asleep at night. <laughs> uh, they seem very sweet in that movie. Yes. it's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is in a constant struggle in my mind with Martin Scorsese for Bryce's favorite director. He has put out almost exclusively brilliant movies, and Phantom Thread is really unique. It, it kind of proves that Paul Thomas Anderson can make any kind of movie, and even when he's doing like this period romance, it's still brilliant. So in this movie, Daniel Day-Lewis, who's, I can't say one of my favorite working actors because he's no longer working, but Probably my favorite actor of all time, just personally. He plays Mr. Woodcock Reynolds, uh, who's a clothing designer in 1950s London. And I guess I should address, 
this is the movie that I almost have to spoil to talk about the intricacies of their relationship and what I like so Man. much. So I'm very sorry in to the you car, two. In the car, I would skip ahead about 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm that's not what you even, should do, audience. I'm not even joking. I'm going to put my fingers in my ear and close my eyes. All right. Uh, so while Brett does that, so Reynolds is this hyper-controlling, very domineering clothing designer, and he meets Alma, played by Vicky Kripes, who is a waitress near his country home, and the two fall in love. It's a very classic type of story but the relationship starts off as a very classic master and muse situation where Alma very much is just Reynolds inspiration for all of his clothing designs and that of course does not last forever because Reynolds is just too domineering of a figure and at one point they reach a stage in their relationship where they're bickering so much that Alma actually tries to mend the relationship with a lavish dinner to surprise Reynolds, and he freaks out because it's a break from his routine, and Alma freaking poisons him. It's insane. She tries to kill him, and he becomes gravely sick, and she cares for him, and he realizes, hey, I need to change to become a better man. So the two fall in love again. It's this beautiful romance once again. It's like real subtle, quiet love. But as was established by his character... He goes back to his old ways eventually, becomes an asshole again. And this is the big spoiler. Brett now has his AirPods in to avoid the spoilers. So she poisons him again in another effort to potentially kill him. It's up in the air. And he actually catches on right before he eats the poisoned food. Then he chooses to eat it because he realizes, I love this person so much. And when she is caring for me, it is when I am at my most humble. It's when we love each other the most. So the two mutually agree to just live in this cycle where she's making him sick and he's relying on her and they're just in love. Uh, Brett, you can take your, your AirPods out. Welcome oh, back. What, what, were you, uh, what were you listening to? I was listening to the last thing that I listened to on my Spotify. I found the song that was really good. Came up on one of my made for you playlists. It is about to get added to my library. You should. I love that for you. Your iPhone speaker up to the mic and play the entire song. Yeah, nobody would be mad about that even a little bit, especially (laughs) not the art. But to finish my point, uh, this is not an experience that I have ever had, but it is a very unique type of relationship to put on screen, and the idea that these two deeply, deeply flawed individuals can find love is probably more fascinating to me than super compelling maybe but it's a a really interesting relationship and it's extremely complex and it's portrayed super well by two brilliant actors and a brilliant writer and director and paul thomas anderson so i love this movie brett cover your ears no i just put the airpods back (laughs) in my pocket i just have to make a silly little joke Guys will literally get poisoned by their partner before they be like, I should fix myself. That's that's insane, but you're right. Okay, Brett, you can come back now. <laughs> okay. Welcome. Bryce, was it funny? It was pretty good. It was <laughs> okay. pretty good. This oh, guy, Wyatt's got some heaters. Oh, baby. I All was... right. Now that you're listening okay. to us again, Brett, what's your number three? Wyatt, how fast is your fastball? <laughs> like just, like if I threw it? Like you threw a pitch. Uh, I, this has been a point of contention in my household because my dad said that if I throw over 60 miles an hour, he'd give me a hundred dollars. 
but I've never found a radar gun that's accurate. You could definitely throw over 60 miles an I, hour. That's what I said, too. I think it's a free $100, but I can't find a radar gun. <laughs> a one radar gun costs exactly $100. This sounds like a good Last of the Moon content situation. Is is this a lead-in? Are you about to have a baseball romance? No. Bryce no, just, he just gets distracted Bryce really just easily. Said, that you have heaters, and then I got curious. No, if I was a pitcher, I'd be a finesse pitcher. I'd probably have like a nasty changeup and a slider <laughs> coming in from like a three-fourth slot on the left side. I started off understanding what you were saying, but then you just started speaking a different language. Absolutely. This can... is going to just carry on into when we break off as a podcast network and I run the Last of the Moon baseball podcast. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'll be in my element. One day. All right, Brett. Talking about somebody who's good at sports, Forrest Gump. Wow. <laughs> Great segue. Forrest and Jenny. Um, do the voice. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you do anymore. <laughs> okay, Jenny. I'll take care of the AIDS, baby. <laughs> I'm actually... Uh, first of all, that was really good. Was Thank really you, Wyatt. Good. If there's one thing in... <laughs> that was a southern accent. I couldn't do it again. Um, that was that was actually very impressive. Thank um, you. I'm really bad at accents, so luckily I, I won't have to do those often. Forrest Gump and his love, Jenny. If, if you're unfamiliar with one of the most famous movies ever, we're following a low IQ individual through uh, American events of the 1960s while he uh, simultaneously... It's even more than the 1960s, right? Doesn't it span like... Yeah, because the AIDS Almost crisis like three is like decades. AIDS crisis is like the eighties and nineties. Uh, yeah, I'm talking out of my butt a little bit whenever <laughs> I said the sixties. It's 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 American it spans, history. Spans spans a long period of American history. Please continue. All that matters is that Alabama football was good. Roll tide, roll, <laughs> and they never stopped. This is a movie that uh, set aside from uh, the historic aspects of it. Follows what I would consider a unbridled love between two people where uh, one party, in this case Forrest, would do just about anything for the love of his life, Jenny. And it is so pure and beautiful a romance that he would do things such as uh, walk for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An incredibly long time where he grows a really big beard. There are uh, scenes all throughout the movie of innocent, yet very strong Forrest Gump protecting his love and in uh in the end they end up together spoiler sorry for anyone who hasn't seen forrest gump they end up together in a way in a way <laughs> and that's where you have to watch it and find out what's happened what happens um i really i really love watching forrest gump it's actually it's funny how little i have to say about this romance because it's actually like one of my favorite movies ever but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting given the circumstances. The dynamics here are super unique, which I'm noticing is a strong theme in all of our lists that we're getting like pretty unique relationships because... Oh, I'm just getting started on my unique oh, relationships. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Forrest, th- these two characters unquestionably love each other very much, but just due to the nature of who Forrest Gump is... Jenny loves him, but potentially is not able to feel sort of like a relational romantic style love with him that I think she's looking for. And so there's just this constant divide between the two of them that even though they love each other very much, they can't necessarily get 
what they're looking for out of their relationship and it's it's honestly pretty tragic in a lot of ways and i think it's made it even a little bit more tragic that i've known some individuals not unlike forrest gump where potentially they are on the autism spectrum or or something like that where they they are just as capable as any of us of feeling love and they just often struggle to feel that connection with someone and i feel like even though this movie is really silly and funny and goofy it handles that pretty maturely i feel she loves him enough to bone him <laughs> wow yeah that's a it's a weird scene that there's a lot to read into that we don't have to here but as a child when i i saw that scene for the first time first of all i did not think that that was going to happen second of all i didn't really know what i was looking at but um it made me feel all kinds of <laughs> that was two weeks ago. <laughs> I said, Bryce, what what are they doing? He called me into his room and was like, What what, what is, is that? this? What what's going on? Are they biting each other? <laughs> and I told Brett, they're just wrestling. <laughs> much like your mommy and daddy did. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, they did that? They did that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wyatt, do you have anything to say about Forrest Gump or do you just want to get into your next movie? I mean it's the 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 central focus relationship of a movie that I think if an alien came down and said give me five movies to like catch me up, uh, would be one of them. Spans a lot. Uh, so it's uh it's pretty solid. Doesn't make my list, but I can understand exactly why it would be on one. Or my third favorite, uh, also my third favorite movie of all time. Wow. La La Land. Uh, Sebastian and Mia, played by Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, directed by Damien Chazelle of Babylon, Whiplash, La La Land, and I guess First Man fame. What do you mean you guess? It's not anywhere near as good as the other three. Yeah. Um. So this is my third couple out of three that does not get a happy, uh, happily ever after and a very specific, like, shocking one at that. What I liked about this is I think of the uh, relationships that I have on here, this is the one that I look at and I'm like, oh, this is real. Like, these are people... We're going through everyday struggles in life and are not represented as like, like they find each other and it's like an instant connection type deal. Ryan Gosling is charismatic as hell throughout this whole movie, despite the fact that his whole brand is jazz, which is an objectively <laughs> bad brand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, are you shit? What? That's a crazy I'm not take. shitting on jazz like as a whole. I just think that he just, and I'm very controversial that I'm about to say this because I oh, represent- God. Uh, far too much of it to be hating on it. He just comes across way too pretentious at points. Uh, which no, I don't that's, love, that's actually fair. I which guess I don't I've love. known some jazz musicians um, that fit the bill. Yeah, but um, throughout the movie, I like how Sebastian rescues Mia from this relationship she's in that she's not a fan of, and it is this like spark of spontaneity that seems out of character for her, and that is how I tend to approach romantic situations. So I guess I kind of see a little bit of my own life in that is that everything is kind of like a shotgun decision-making process where I just <laughs> go crazy for a little while. But I also like how both of them are integral parts of their respective careers and advancing them. Uh, in the process of the movie, uh, Mia goes from aspiring to pretty prominent actor or actress uh, and throughout the whole film, um, Sebastian is dreaming of opening up his own jazz club and in the final scene of the movie, you see that that does happen. And so without the 
prodding of the other person. I don't think they end up where they do, regardless of whether or not uh, their love perseveres the whole time. There's a scene in which Ryan Gosling uh, holds on his car horn outside of Mia's family home in like Colorado that he has driven to from Southern California that I think is one of the sweetest scenes in movies. I think it's adorable. And throughout the whole movie, I am just cheering for him, even if it doesn't work out in the end. And that scene uh, in which Mia goes into his jazz club with her her new mans, who seems so much less interesting, <laughs> and they they meet eyes, I think is a sad ending, but a realistic one. There are people who serve very important purposes in your life in both a love and platonic capacity uh, and that doesn't mean they're going to be around for forever, but that does not negate the effect that they will have on you and your changing as a person. So I think for the impacts they had on each other and the fact that they were cute and spontaneous as it happened, the two of them are my third relationship. Well said. Yeah, this movie, I think it being a musical really lends itself to this idea. It captures the feeling of falling in love so well like that wistful you're on top of the world feeling and then it's contrasted with that stark realism that the ending brings and i've seen some people that don't like this movie because it's not a happy ending like the the movie makes you feel so good the whole time and then they don't end up together and they should go to hell for thinking that i wouldn't go so far as to say that but at the end of the day, this movie isn't trying to give you a happy story. It's it's capturing the idea of what it feels like to fall in love, but then to be your own person that's following your own path. And sometimes, as painful as it can be, when you're in a relationship with someone, your paths have to diverge. And it's really hard to watch as a viewer of the movie, but it's so maturely conveyed, I feel, that... I, I really like this pick, Wyatt. And I think the, the the volatile paths thing that you're talking about is what resonates even more with me, especially as a person who is currently in college. Uh, everybody's paths are subject to change. And so it feels like getting involved at anything in this point of life is like signing up for like a two-year time bomb. Yeah. Uh, in which you're like, well, who knows if I move to Albuquerque, New Mexico to do some job in two years and we have to say goodbye to that progress. But- Throughout all of that, it's like, that's just part of the human experience. Yep. And you should not, during that time, decide that you cannot be involved with anybody else to sacrifice emotions down the line. Love is important, even if it doesn't work out in the end. That's a topic that will come up again with me. So uh, hold on to that one. The first time that I saw La La Land, I watched it being presented to me by like a, like a family friend. <laughs> we, we got to the end. And uh, he, <laughs> he was a little inebriated at that point. And then he was like, well, what did you think of the end? And, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was great. Like, it's uh, not necessarily where I expected this to go. But, you know, it was so expertly executed. I love the way that they portrayed this flawed relationship. And, you know, they end up in a place that's, you know, humanly realistic. And, like, I could, I could you know, I could paint this picture of myself in this situation. And he was like, but I wasn't happy. <laughs> What do you mean you you like the but they didn't end up together, <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. It, it truly is shocking <laughs> the the types of movies that people look for, which is not to say that we don't like those people. At the end of the day, we hope that they just like movies. But yeah, it's a, a very different something. A lot of people just 
go to movies, especially I feel musicals as just a sort of escapism and they're just looking to feel happy all the time. But the human experience is so much more complex than that. My other favorite thing that came out of that was uh, when, <laughs> when John Legend popped up in a turtleneck. And then uh, my friend went, hey, it's John Legend in a turtleneck. <laughs> that was, he, he wasn't wrong. He was spot on. <laughs> the we should get that guy thing. on the podcast. Yes. He is astute. Please. I uh, love him. Love you, Rob. All right. Bryce, numero trace. Wow. All right. This is a movie that I've seen for the first time very recently, but uh, I... Boots the Last Wish. Not quite, although I, I could see... Uh, what, what's her name? I was not there. Oh, I don't know. Puss, 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 and, Puss and uh what's the the lady about? cat's name? Oh, um it's another something cat soft, pun. soft paws. Kitty soft paws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Puss and Kitty soft paws are our honorable mention for these lists. Let's go. Uh but I saw this movie what relatively recently, relatively recently and uh Widowy? Widowy. <laughs> and I am very much of the opinion this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. This is the relationship between Marianne and Heloise from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Have you guys seen this movie? No. No. That's uh, very sad. So, uh, But I have a lot to say about it, so that's okay. Are you going to spoil anything? Do I have to go AirPods no, mode no. again? No, This one will be spoiler-free. So this is... Similar to Moonlight, another example of a gay relationship that cannot be. This is, as I was thinking about it, I get why a lot of gay stories are told this way. It's it's very compelling. I mean, think of like Romeo and Juliet, the sort of lovers that can't be together trope is very compelling. But before I talk about this movie, I do just want to say I look forward to the day that uh, it's more common that we can just have gay relationships and the gay relationships that we're seeing don't have to be, they can't be together, like just a normal romance. But yeah, this this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's rich in subtext and beauty and romance. Uh, so it, it follows uh, French 18th century, this artist, Marianne, played by, and I apologize for these pronunciations of French names, Noemi Merlant. She's an artist hired to portray Heloise, played by Adele Heinel. Definitely didn't say that right, but she is hired to paint a portrait of Heloise before Heloise is married off to some nobleman Let that we guess. never meet. Let me guess. She's going to be a lady on fire in the portrait? Not even. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Heloise does not want to be married, so she's refusing, and she's refused every artist in the past to sit for a portrait to be made of her. And so Marianne is hired by Heloise's mother to do this in secret. So she's told to just spend time with her under the guise of being her hired help and just a friend uh, because Heloise is very sad that she's being married off. So this movie just tracks her journey of spending time with Heloise and trying to paint her from memory. And the two slowly fall in love just as they're spending all this time together. It's an incredible concept, and I'm so glad that it's executed to perfection. This romance is really, really beautifully portrayed. There's so much love in small things like a look or a touch, and that's partly because of the nature of the situation that they're in, but it's also just the way that the filmmaker chose to express this relationship, and it's a very real thing that I could relate to. 
a lot of the best moments in a loving relationship are these little like small things like a glance across the table when you're with friends or something like that it shows like hiding your true nature with someone that you care about and how when your true nature is ex- nature is expressed to someone that you're in a relationship with how that can either make or break the relationship like it can either ruin the relationship or just strengthen that and sort of the fear that you have in a romantic relationship to show yourself as your true individual being. Uh, there's just, there's so much going on in this movie that I love. It also messed me up. It's sad as hell. I'm not going to say why, but it is a must-watch. It's one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever seen in a movie. It's highly complex. It's beautiful. Can't emphasize that enough. Please watch it. That was an enticing sales pitch. I think that's probably next up on my watch list now. I uh, I once heard somebody say, oh, if I could only be the guy that I portray myself to be on a first date. <laughs> the, guy, real. the guy that has a master's degree and doesn't play with Legos all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that person is often way cooler than the person that you inevitably fall in love with. But yeah, uh, certainly. I think that speaks well to what a relationship is. And so I had to include this one. Brett, well, keep us going. Brett's going to keep us going. Is this your number two then? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, number two, we have Jack Twist and Ennis Yeehaw. of Brokeback Mountain, baby. Yeehaw, oh, cowboy. Yeah. I said to Bryce before we started recording this that if someone doesn't have Brokeback Mountain on here, I will throw <laughs> hands. Um, first of all, okay, there's a lot to say about this movie. But first and foremost, most importantly, Jack Twist is the most kick-ass name I've ever that's heard facts. in my entire life. And I, I love that <laughs> that's his unironic name in the movie. He's not even like a superhero anymore. He's just a or he's, he's not even a like guy. he's not even like a superhero or anything. He's just a gay cowboy. So in this movie, we follow Jack and Ennis, uh, two uh, ranchers played by Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger. Absolute legends. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Bless up. They meet each other through this uh, kind of freelance ranch hand work that they're doing, where they are raising uh, cattle. They are raising cattle. Um, and uh, you know what's funny is I don't really maybe they they say this in the movie, but I don't remember exactly the reason that they're doing it. If they're delivering them somewhere or like, uh, yeah, I think that they're trying to get them. Yeah, to, like, they're a trying secondary to get I believe location. sheep to a secondary yes. location, and it yeah. takes like the whole summer or yeah. winter. Uh, whole season yeah it takes a very long time for them to accomplish this so they spend a lot of personal time together they get to know each other very intimately so intimate you might say uh they uh they have sex with each other in a tent <gasps> one of them i'm trying to think i believe yeah they both have uh they both have ladies back home but they fall passionately in love with one another and they uh they get down dirty in a very complicated relationship i feel like this movie is such a butt of a joke uh, but uh, <laughs> hey man, I'm trying to illustrate them. How would you? How would you joke about gay cowboys? I would never do that. Uh, no, it 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 ends up being the butt of the joke because it's Brokeback Mountain and everybody made fun of it in the early 2000s because nobody could handle seeing gay people on a screen. Yeah, between that and then also the the people who wanted to see gay relationships on screen, rightly being upset that these are two straight men playing gay people on <laughs> <Yeah>. screen. <laughs> there was a lot of controversy around it. They 
their characters have a very complicated and tumultuous relationship that is stoked by them having this forbidden love. Whether the love is forbidden by society or as a whole, or their ranch hand boss who doesn't let them work together anymore because he can't be gay and a cowboy, apparently. Or their uh, their wives, who, um, believe it or not, are not too stoked about their husbands uh, <laughs> wanting to, to do each other. <laughs> um, so, well said. <laughs> you follow them through uh, through all the trials and tribulations of their relationship in this uh, this intricate, you know, eventful love. Uh, I would break your back for you. Would you break my back for me? Hey, man. <laughs> We're talking about complicated, complicated social issues here. All you want to make jokes about them being gay cowboys and how they probably, they'd probably say yeehaw when they're having sex with each other. That's, that's so fucked up of you to say. Yeehaw. <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. Okay, I was going to bring that up. That line, if someone said that to me, I would melt into the floor. Yeah, that is a great line. That is a phenomenal line. I forgot about that It's also part, really sad. It's very sad, yeah. Um, this is this is a movie not for the fan of heart because no. it is it's really fucking intense. Yes, at some parts and and graphic and it is uh, it's it's very real. It's how I would sum it up. It's 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 very real. It's a it's an experience. Yeah, the the two characters here, you think potentially on the surface, it's two tough guys that are gay, and they can't be together. And I feel like. In your head, you might picture these as being very similar men, but they're actually pretty unique, and the movie does a good job of showing, like, these people are not a monolith. They each have their own struggles, and so Jake Gyllenhaal's character is much more accepting of himself and willing to try to make this work, and Heath Ledger's character, even though they're both tough guys, is struggling a lot more with letting the stereotype of himself, this big, tough, straight guy, letting that go. And so it creates this really unique dynamic where even though they both love each other very much, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is constantly working so hard to make this work and underneath the surface Heath Ledger wants it to work but he doesn't see a world where it ever does and so on top of all of the conflict that the world is putting on these two people they have so much conflict within their own relationship just within that specific dynamic so there's a lot of complexity to this relationship that I think without such a successfully written script wouldn't work at all yeah I love this movie it's a pretty great movie I mean it is Pretty devastating, but I think that what I'm picking up here is we all love a forbidden romance like mm. nothing else. Seems to be a reoccurring trend throughout all of our lists. Uh, my metabolism and Taco Bell. They just want to be together <laughs> so badly, but I always separate them because I feel bad when I eat it. Such a shame. Wyatt, what's your number two, buddy? Number two from the greatest movie to ever be made, Waves, wow. is Emily and what Luke. take. Uh, portrayed by one of my favorite actors, Lucas Hedges, and one of my favorite actresses, Taylor Russell, recently of getting uh, or eating Timothy Chalamet fame. No one that would not call themselves an A24 fanboy would ever say that Lucas Hedges is one of their favorite actors. I love him. He's so, so specific. He's so, like such a 
a company specific actor that he's just in everything they make and I love it. He's my pick for if I think if I had a movie made about my life for whatever reason, I think I'd probably pick him to play me. I can see that. Um, Continue though. But uh, so Waves, for those who have not seen it, is I cannot stress enough my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it probably upwards of 15 to 20 times now. Damn. And it is a story of a family of four, like this real tight-knit 4-4, and they are torn apart by a family tragedy that I will not name for sake of spoiling this movie. And in the second half of the movie, Emily, played by Taylor Russell, uh, becomes the central focus of the of the film. She's the main character for the second half as this family attempts to mend themselves back together. And early on uh, in that sequence, she meets Luke, played by Lucas Hedges, who is the goofiest dude of all time. In their original interaction, he is trying to ask her on a date because he he bumped into her in the hall and thought she was cute. And so he runs into her outside of an auditorium and she's waiting to judge. I believe it's like a lip syncing competition. And he gets so nervous that he combines two words when attempting to ask her out and then just kind of stumbles, laughs through it. It's adorable. Um, And from there, they have this date that is almost painful to watch as they don't know what to talk about. (laughs) Been there. uh, Until they find common ground through a song that plays on the diner stereo, which I think is great because who does not talk about music? I was just about to say, it's a great great relational like centerpiece. Yeah, and so they talk about that, and this is also a very soundtrack-driven movie, so it's not surprising that music plays an integral part. But throughout the second half of the movie, you watch as this relationship between the two of them progresses in seriousness. And it's another example of how having a person to uh, support and love you will lead you to often become a better person. Not always the case, but certainly in this one, there's a whole storyline in which Lucas's father, who's been absentee father for most of his life, is dying of cancer. And Luke has no interest in, in, in visiting him at all. Uh, and wants nothing to do with him. And Emily, who has lost a parent prior to the movie beginning, it's just like a, a mentioned fact that their mother has died, stresses enough that there's nothing that she wishes she could do more than go back and talk to her mom one more time. So they embark on this super emotional road trip. And throughout the whole time, they experience like a lot of firsts together. They seem to be each other's first significant partner as they're in high school at that time. And I think the two of them are so sweet and so adorable, so easy to root for. And it's clear that both of them desperately need each other in that moment, with Emily going through a pretty tragic uh, familial event and Luke navigating his own issues. And especially with the, like the, I said I wouldn't mention what it is, the event in Emily's family, she kind of becomes like a social pariah mm-hmm. in her uh, in her circles. And so for him to approach her knowing all that he knows is still proof that he's just a sweet boy and i love the two of them uh this was almost my number one it was really hard to to bump it down to two but i could watch them fall in love time in and time out and i do it all the time yeah that's awesome i I did not see this movie so i have little to say but i will commit right here right now wyatt i will watch this film with you you want to shake on that i will cry i will have oh my goodness I bumped the whole table, but I got a handshake in with Wyatt. There we go. Uh, will you guys hold hands while you watch the movie? Uh, I will need some to wipe away the tears from my eyes. And then at other times, we'll need them to dance to the greatest soundtrack ever put together. That includes 
Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West and uh, SZA and many other instances of phenomenal music. We're Brilliant. gonna we're gonna hold hands, but it's gonna be like two businessmen on a long lasting handshake. <laughs> Uh, you're going to be on either end of the couch, chests towards each other, one arm extended, just, just nice firm handshake. Toes interlocked. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I saw this movie when it came out, and I haven't seen it since, and you were just reminding me how much I really enjoyed it when it came out. Yeah, it was a very good movie. Uh, great pick. Hey, thanks. You're up. Number two, this is probably no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast, We've got It's a Wonderful Life, George and Mary. Mm. I felt like this had to be on my list somewhere, and I I wanted to have it higher, um, or I guess lower in in my estimation, but the more I thought about it, the more I really like this relationship. This is a unique one. Of course, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed play George and Mary. This is a unique relationship to have on this list because unlike... Most of the other movies that we've mentioned here, their relationship is not really the centerpiece of this movie. It's much more just about George, and his relationship with Mary is an integral part of who he is, but it's not what the story is about. That being said, Mary does not get as much time to shine in this relationship as George might, or as two people might in a romance movie like we've talked about in the past in these lists. But I, I really like that George, it's established pretty early on. He could have just about any girl he wants because he's a kick-ass dude, but he chooses Mary. I think that that is a motif that, while maybe a little bit outdated, I, I like that a lot because it shows that he feels this girl was meant for him, which I, I think is really beautiful. The scene that our podcast name comes from, of course, where they walk home from the dance at the beginning of the movie is one of my favorite movie scenes ever. He, of course, offers to lasso the moon for her. And it's this wonderful metaphor of like, I would do anything for you because I care so much for you. Just say the word, I'll do it. George is, of course, in this relationship, a very flawed individual. He's got some anger issues, but Mary puts up with him through a lot. And on the surface, I feel like that could feel like a really outdated cliche from like culture's past <laughs> where the man's an asshole and the girl or the woman is expected to be a good subservient wife. But I don't necessarily get that vibe from this movie. It feels more mature than that. Like she doesn't necessarily put up with his shit, but she sticks it out with him because she cares for him as much as he cares for her. And even though... He's experiencing so much internal turmoil, and often that lashes out against his family. Their relationship, it outlasts that, and that's something that I really appreciate. Like, it's something that I look for in a relationship. I, I really see myself in George Bailey, and the relationship that he has with Mary, I think, is what I want. Like, someone who loves me despite my many flaws because at the end of the day like George Bailey I think I'm a pretty good person but no one is perfect and so I think this relationship works so well for me because potentially it's like the relationship that I aspire to have that just unconditional love so yeah my number two Mary don't you see Mary <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad one of you did the voice work <laughs> 
you look a little old. <laughs> you look a little older with your clothes on. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank okay, you for my that. My turn. My turn. Hey, it's me, Georgie. I'm gonna lasso the moon for you, Mary. Hey, I got that the gabagool. Just like him. Gabagool. I, that's my favorite line from from this movie. Uh, there's not much to say past what Bryce already said about the movie. We're obviously all very passionate about it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it it's interesting that you mention his being kind of an asshole at certain parts of this movie. It actually is probably my biggest qualm with it is that it's very, um, it's not even that he is like a bad character at times. Like obviously that shouldn't in a vacuum take away from a movie. It's like kind of random. It's very sporadic and you don't see it coming the first time that I saw it. I was like, what the hell is going on? This is not, this is not the George that I saw like 10 seconds ago. Why is he being such a dick right now? But they have a beautiful, transatlantic family <laughs> um that is uh yeah it's uh it's real americana yeah that speaks to i think you're absolutely right like it is a little bit disarming when you first see him be a bit of an asshole but it speaks to the maturity of the filmmaker because he chooses to show this guy is not a superhero yeah. even though he's doing so much work and good for all of the people around him there's not a single person on this planet that doesn't have flaws and unfortunately, George Bailey's often shows in lashing out in anger against his family. But I think without that, the movie wouldn't work as well. I don't think it would have the same staying power because there's so much more, at least for me, to latch onto in that character because he's a flawed individual. Yeah. To be clear, I like the decision about his characterization mm-hmm. very much. And even most of the movie where it makes a lot of sense that he's like that, it, it was specifically the first scene where he's he's a jerk to his wife. I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but he's Mary. like, oh yeah, I said it two seconds Mary. ago. Mary. He's, he's such a jerk to his wife, <laughs> to his then like courting partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it, but uh, Is yeah. Is that the, the scene where... He shows up at her house and yes. she's got the painting and the, and the he's, tape for him. He's very apathetic to all the yeah. nice things that she's done for like, <laughs> in my eyes, no reason at yeah. all. Like, yeah. What is happening? Yeah. It's a wonderful life. Brett, hit us with the first number one. Mm. So the most important relationship probably that we've spoken about through this whole thing is Thomas and Thomas. Of the lighthouse. What on earth? <laughs> Number one, brother. Oh, you see the lighthouse is trolling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that genuinely Look, like you're not going to hit us with like a just kidding? No, what are you talking about? You had a problem with it. To Brett's credit, he didn't know that we were doing these in order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it happened to be in my one or number one. This I is wild. To, please, I wanted to go out with a justify bang. it. So, so listen, uh, what we have here is a wildly complicated difficult to unravel polyamorous relationship between two lighthouse caretakers and a a light bulb. (laughs) 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 They're constantly fighting over, uh, you know, the light and they uh, have these huge jealous fits of rage that sometimes end up in them having rough sex with each other. And who am I to say that I've never been there? I don't think they ever have sex, though. What? Yes, they do. 
<laughs> I don't, I think don't that's feel true. like they did. Yes. I will. I will put money on it right now. It they're... is certainly never portrayed. It might be implied when they have that cute dance together, but they, I... I've seen this movie like four times. They definitely remember don't have it. sex. I remember it vividly, and if it it is not true, brother, it's the mermaid that he hallucinates yeah. is the only sex scene in that movie. What? Your whole argument is falling apart <laughs> under your feet. I I'm so confident that this happened, and some of you may say that I had I had a fever dream. For our listeners, they never have sex in this movie. <laughs> I, are we sure? Are we? I'm one hundred percent certain they never have sex in this movie. I took, <laughs> I took the risk of googling lighthouse sex on my phone. Just you for you. You didn't put in any more qualifiers no. in the Google search than lighthouse sex. I just had to get the answer fast. Well, okay. Look, so. There's still they, an argument to be ma- be made here that I want to hear. They, they don't have sex. Have a lustful relationship with one another that is, you know, flawed, and uh, you know, some would call it abusive, but it is. It's very raw and passionate. And you know what else? It wasn't uncommon for uh, you know, fellas back in the day who were without, you know, women for long periods of time on the road. Uh, or wherever they were stationed to just do a little bit of uh, to do a little bit of sex with each other. In fact, the Ottoman Empire had like don't ask, don't tell way, way, way before we. <laughs> I ever can't did, believe so. we're talking about the Ottoman Empire on our Valentine's <laughs> As you Day episode. Justify that two men who d- did not partake in any sort of a romantic <laughs> relationship are the number one of the year. <laughs> I want to watch the movie again tonight so that we can all see the sex scene that I know happened. It I'm does very not confident. happen. All right. Well, you have anything else there's, there's a lot of ridiculous? complexity. I, I'm going to do my best to help Brett out because ultimately we have to leave this in here. So I'm going to do my best. There is certainly a level of potential interest in each other there's a chance that these two characters are the same person which makes all of this a lot stranger but like brett was saying these men are stranded out here together and they fuck each other that leads itself to a lot of sexual tension and relational tension and physical like violent tension i think this is much more about their platonic relationship in general how they learn to accept each other for who they are and how they become friends and then how that ultimately falls apart there is certainly a romantic angle that you can take there's a very cute scene where the two of them are drunk and dance together that absolutely has a level of romance to it so the rest of the things that i could say to shit on brett's take here aside there is that (laughs) Follow Lasso the Moon Pod on Instagram, where we're gonna post the full, <laughs> uncut scene of their sexual intercourse in uh, in the lighthouse. That this is social a does media not exist. I will not be doing that. And B would never end up on our Instagram. Uh, we're just gonna move on. Brett, you've you've done something <laughs> heinous to this podcast. So let's get us back on track. Let's talk about Valentine's Day. Who's your number one, Wyatt? The number one relationship in the history of not even movies this is a multimedia example for me oh my goodness while it may not be my favorite movie is certainly the single most impactful piece of media on my entire life this side of the bible 
Uh, it's John Green's The Fault in Our Stars. Wow. Oh my God. And it's Hazel Grace Lancaster and Augustus Waters. Augustus. Uh, Augustus Goop. Uh, this movie quite literally shook up like 12 straight years of my life. <laughs> I remember I saw this on, I was not allowed to call it a date because I wasn't allowed to go on dates until I was in high school. But with my seventh grade girlfriend and some other friends on like a middle school style, like eight person date. I had several um, of those, yes. usually to see the Hunger Games movies. Yep. I can certainly confirm I did that as well. And I had no concept of what this movie was. I had not read the book to that point. And I watched the movie and I thought, that might have been the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so I immediately read the book, uh, which then parlayed into me reading everything John Green has ever written. and Ridiculous. Including this last week, I had a dream that I met his brother, Hank Green, of Crash Course fame, and then ranted about how much I loved John Green to which Hank said, I'll call him on the phone. You can talk to him. And I woke up like tears streaming down my face because I was oh crying God. in the dream You're because ridiculous. I was so excited to tell John Green about the impact he has had on my life. And it all started with this movie. Let's talk about it. How did I um, not know the most written by a woman motherfucker? <laughs> I, was written, our stars. I was written by John Green because another part of this is that in middle school, there's, okay, so there's, for context, there's this famous, like, Reddit post about this dude who decides to be just like the main character of the movie Drive, and then it ends up Disgusting. going really well, and he gets a girlfriend, and his whole personality is a bit based on the movie Drive, and I genuinely think at some point in seventh grade, I just decided I'm going to try and replicate Augustus Waters the best I can. And I don't know if my own personality is real anymore. And I've thought that ever since. Um, but this movie, That explains why I saw you smoking a cigarette in a leather jacket. He the other did not day. smoke the cigarette. He That's gave, he gave the power this. of... Uh, he took the power away from that which kills him. That's an integral part of the storyline. But getting back from that tangent, uh, the relationship between these two is, of course, a, a coming-of-age tale of two folks afflicted by the sickness, the sickness being cancer. And it is exactly what I would aspire to have in a romance, which is these... Cancer? No. <laughs> <laughs> these <laughs> these uh, just over-the-top dramatic displays of cheesy affection from going to Netherlands to visit your, fam- uh, your favorite author to going to the Funky Bone statue in the middle of downtown Indianapolis. I have been there. I've been Me to too. nearly every filming location of this movie. Can't say that, though. Uh, but it is a movie that made me sob in theaters. I don't think I have to that level since, except for maybe that movie in which you follow uh, the life of a dog, not Marley and Me. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it. Charlotte's Web. Um, but it is so cute and it's it's like literally what i'd want to replicate minus the dying in my own like if i had a love story and was like this is how it goes which not if like at some point i hope that i have one that'd be cool it's perfect it is exactly my idea of romance and it's cheesy goodness they love each other and they have their cheesy little catchphrases and they have shared interests and they're over the top and it's awesome the whole time and then he dies of cancer. 
And I, but I thought it was her that was dying. No, she, well, she has cancer, but it's like they both have cancer. That's how they meet each other at a cancer. Did you not group. see the movie? No, I have had never had this any is, interest until right now. No, <laughs> so they meet at a cancer support group. He goes because his other friend has ocular cancer, and then he they meet and she's like, "You smoke? We can't hang out. I have lung cancer." And he's like, "I don't smoke." And then he gets off on this whole like metaphorical tangent, and he goes about how he's on a roller coaster that only goes up. And he plans this whole last trip for them because she doesn't know that he has cancer again and he's lit up like a Christmas tree. Important line. Um, Brett and I are both just and expressing looks of shock across the table. This is, <laughs> I, I've talked about how much I love John Green before. Yeah, I, I, I did know that. Um, I, I also don't, I mean, you've justified it well, but yeah. it's just. Uh, yeah, like it, of course it's like a cheesy like 13-year-old movie, but it also shaped my concept totally, of love. Yeah. And these are, um, of course, our subjective yeah. favorite relationships. So, and so I, I think you're you're valid. This is my number one, and it, it was not like like I wanted something from Waves to be number one for the sake of it's my favorite movie. But there was no question when I thought about this prompt, and I said, "Hey, we should rank our favorite movie relationships." This was my immediate number one. It wasn't ever going to be anything else. Uh, I, I, I have to say, this is still an infinitely better pick than the lighthouse <laughs> whoa oh, absolutely whoa. because let's uh, not get crazy while not inferred they do well i mean while inferred can confirm that the two in my uh pick do actually have sex to hold your that's illegal which you have to remove the cannula because oh, shailene <laughs> shailene woodley's character has to decide that she's willing to take the risk to not be able to breathe a little bit i i i want to say here and now that I want that to be the only use of that word on this podcast ever. Cannula? Yeah. Cannula. Well, We've it, just used it more times, but yeah. I don't like it, whatever that is. That's like the, the thing that puts oxygen in your okay. nose. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Wyatt. For uh, sure. I, 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 while I had no interest before in seeing this- We are watching think, this movie. <laughs> I will have to watch this now. I, I, I have no. that. I would like to be involved. I have no opposition to it. It just always struck me as like a something that- middle school girls like uh but if it's as good as you say it is i'm interested in checking it out it is phenomenal brett is pointing to wyatt behind his hand right now but uh it's all love hey it's valentine's yes, day i support your decisions wyatt let's go as we apparently have to support the lighthouse being on <laughs> the best romantic relationships or our favorite romantic relationships in movies i don't support shit about dick when it comes to that <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to close off with my number one. This is a movie I believe all three of us really like. This is in my top three favorite movies of all time. This is Clementine and Joel from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. This is, without a doubt, one of the most real relationships I've ever seen depicted in a movie. Women frequently erase Bryce from their mind <laughs> and, and never think of real. him again. Uh Despite the surrealness of this movie, I still think that the relationship at its core is very, very vivid and the most accurate representation of what a relationship with someone is actually like. This movie deals with annoyance in a relationship, which is not something that is commonly shown in movies, especially not in romances, but That's it's extremely so common in relationships. No matter how much you love someone, when you're spending all the time together, they will have quirks that piss you off. And you can't explain that 
and the movie touches on that really well. So, of course, Clem, who's played by Kate Winslet, the second Kate Winslet appearance on these lists, which is cool, and uh, Joel, who's played by Jim Carrey, meet on a train ride home from Montauk Bay, and the two spark a relationship. It's really tumultuous, but it's so full of these real moments, whether they're happy or sad. The ultimate message of this movie is one that hits really hard for me, um, and that's relationships of any kind, but especially romantic relationships, are not perfect. Imperfection is going to happen. Perfection is impossible. But the good moments in a romantic relationship are, or I guess just in a relationship in general, are what makes life worth living. It's why we constantly strive to be in a romantic relationship, even though we know it's entirely possible we're going to get hurt. We still want that to get those good moments because in the moment, and you feel this in the movie, those good moments feel like the best thing that you could ever experience. And this movie has a lot of fun with those good moments, but then it really viscerally makes you feel the bad moments as well. And I, I even struggle to like coherently explain how well this movie shows the reality of what a relationship actually is. Uh, but yeah, I love it. Dramatic Jim Carrey. It's all that I ever want. It's it's. I can't imagine seeing this movie in theaters when it came out, knowing what Jim Carrey had done before this, yes. and expecting a certain type of movie to come from Jim Carrey and getting what you get. <laughs> that would be so shocking. Uh, one of our other problematic relationships in uh in terms of the two parties not being very kind to each other pretty much at any point just goes to show what we'll uh what we'll put up with for love for the right or the wrong reasons and uh has a beautiful uh beautiful and relevant message about learning your lessons and uh not not repeating them based on uh or do they learn learn their lessons it's Uh, up for debate yes Who's to say? But that is a solid pick. I love that movie. And I think it is a concept that's kind of horrifying. Just like the, 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 it's also, I mean, obviously it doesn't happen to that extent, but when someone that you love and has been around your life suddenly like becomes a stranger mm-hmm. is one of the worst experiences on earth. And so to see a movie that kind of goes through that whole process in a slightly dramatized way shows that you can exemplify both the best and worst parts of love in the span of an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, and that's ultimately like what life is. It's full of good and bad moments, but you have to hold on to the good moments to make life worth living. As someone who's currently getting over a pretty tough breakup, this movie's been on my mind a lot. Even though it's not, I guess, inherently a breakup movie, it's certainly a a part of it. And to me, this is kind of what Valentine's Day is all about. Like, love is great. Let's look for it. Let's search for it. Let's seek that out. Whether you're in a loving relationship now, strive to make sure that there's as much love as possible there. Or if you're not, find people in your life that you can love that give you love. And uh, yeah, it's get a couple of boys together. Make a get podcast. a couple of boys together. Make a podcast. Tell the audience how much you love them at the end of every episode. Make the other boys watch The Fault in Our Stars. (laughs) (laughs)
Uh, so yeah, that concludes our 15 favorite romantic relationships of all time in movies. This inc- <laughs> this concludes our 14 favorite romantic relationships and also <laughs> The uh, Lighthouse. Also The Lighthouse. <laughs> I don't have any juice left to fight back on this. I've, you've worn me down. <laughs> I you killed I, my spirit. I think there's no way that we haven't upset some people with these lists. The Lighthouse excluded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody would be mad about that. No. Um, I mean, everyone has strong opinions about this type of thing, I think. And I mean, there are certainly some great relationships that we didn't include. I think almost all of our movies are movies that came out in the times that we were born. So, uh, Before we sign off, this is just rapid fire. We did not prepare for this. Do you have an opposite answer? Do you have a least favorite movie couple or television couple or anything like that? Something that you just see them and it makes you upset. You guys think of anything? You know, it's funny enough. I probably put Eternal Sunshine on that list. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because I like I love the movie, but uh, it it kills me. No, I I have seen people that don't like the movie that their main gripe is like these people are just annoying, and I don't really have a defense for that. If that doesn't work for you, there's not. Like the movie is not going to work for you, but for me, it it comes across as genuine, and so I I really appreciate it. Yeah. As an annoying person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Um, damn, I'm trying to think. Anytime they shoehorn in, like, I don't have a specific example of this, but anytime they shoehorn in love stories into movies that don't need them. This often happens in superhero movies. Honorable mention, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I almost put that on my list. Every edition yeah. of him. Uh, I didn't want to put it on because it was Marvel, but specifically yeah. Mary Jane. Uh, yeah, I think that that's probably my favorite superhero relationship. But yeah, there are a lot of superhero relationships I don't like. Um, I don't know if I have a specific example. I would need time to think about that. But hey, if you're listening still, if you got through that, thank you very much. We appreciate it a lot. Share your favorite relationships in movies. We want to hear from you. On our Instagram, we want to hear from you. Give us a follow, Lasso the Moon Pod, on all of our socials. That's Instagram, Twitter, and we pretty much just use Instagram. Uh, we post every time. One day. We post every time we release a new episode, so you can make sure you're one of the first people to listen. Yes, sir. Give us a review on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Five stars. That helps out a lot. We really appreciate that. We're big in, what was it, like Taiwan? We need to get bigger there. Yeah. Uh, we. If you're listening from Taiwan, thank you. Let's move from 65th podcast there to 63rd. I think that's a good uh, achievable goal. Yes, sir. Again, thank you for listening. Go have a happy Valentine's Day. Celebrate the people that you love in any context. We, of course, love you very much. Good uh, night. Our favorite relationship, us to the audience. Yes. We love you. Our number one relationship. We would last to the moon for you. We hope you would do the same for us. I realize I forgot to say that at the end of the last episode. I'm also not sure how committed to that bit I am, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we love you. Good night. Much love. Love you.